Columbus Business First reporter, Haley Colombo. This is Crisis Management, a Columbus Business First podcast where we talk with local business and nonprofit leaders about how they're managing through the coronavirus pandemic. Today, we're talking with Capel University's interim president, David Kaufman, about how the Central Ohio College is navigating through a challenging time in higher ed and how the pandemic could change how the college operates for good. Thanks for listening. So you stepped into this role as Capital University president in July 2020, which I can imagine is one of the craziest times ever to start a new <laughs> a new job. Can you tell me, especially a role like this where you're leading an institution, can you tell me what it has been like for you to take the helm of this university during such an unusual, unprecedented time? You know, I was coming off of um, a CEO role at Encova for like the last eight years. So, and that's a 24-7, you know, four and a half billion dollar operation, a pretty, pretty big operation. So, um, and as I stepped out of that, I, I'd always been kind of drawn to um, university, campus life, and always kind of pictured doing some lecturing in that. My wife and I had planned on doing some traveling and all that, you know, last year. And with COVID and all that hitting, it was just, um, you know, um, kind of changed our, our, I guess, our priorities personally. And then, and I'm actually the interim president. I'm not a permanent president appointment. So when I initially started talking with, um, with the board of trustees about the permanent appointment, I didn't think my background really fit. I'm not from academia, you know, all corporate executive experience. But then when it shifted to an interim presidency, COVID hit, you know, there's some challenges and there's a strong wind in the face of higher ed, just with the trends and demographics and that. So I really kind of processed that. I thought, you know what, I think I'm a pretty good fit to help lead the, the university maybe through some of these immediate challenges. I have a number of friends that came through capital through the law school and that. So I've, I've always respected what capital is about the I'm Lutheran by, and by, by faith. And, you know, there's Lutheran roots. So there's, there's a lot of pull to capital as the institution. And then just the timing of my background, I thought, you know what, um, I might be able to help the university through a, a real challenging time. And I have found, you know, you're right. It is, um, it is no doubt with, with COVID and, and everything facing us, I'm, <laughs> there's a plate full of challenges. But I am finding a lot of what I've experienced in, you know, corporately is I've been able to apply here. And so I, I am, I feel good about that, that I've been able to kind of help the team maybe move a little more effectively than, than maybe they would have under, you know, someone without the experience I had. So, yeah. How have you been able to translate all of your years of experience at Encova? to capital, especially like you were saying this year when the need to act nimbly and move quickly and quickly pivot has has been really important. So being CEO, you're really dependent on the quality of your team. So my, my cabinet at Encova, you know, you've got all the experts, all these um, high performers. So as CEO, I, I've always felt my job was always around kind of purposing people. You know, are we doing the right things? Is it, you know, and then are the people engaged and is the clarity there? So it's kind of like um, you you build trust and and you execute, you perform. And, and that trust takes, you know, it takes your, your demonstrating your character and that you're capable to lead and communicating effectively, but then getting the clarity and the accountability and support to really get results. And that's really no different here. You know, coming in as president, 
I'm really relying on my cabinet, the, the experts there. You know, trust has to be earned, but again, kind of demonstrating the integrity and that, yeah, I think I'm capable of, of leading this and communicating and, you know, in a lot of channels, but then really getting, uh, we spent a lot of time on, okay, what are our top five goals, getting that clarity and fixing accountability and then kind of um, embracing the whole campus community to get in the support we need. So it really comes down to the same thing, building that trust and getting the clarity on shared goals to, to execute. And knowing that you are an interim leader, I suppose that kind of, I, I mean, I, I'd love to hear your take on this. Like, it would seem that that would maybe give you a little bit more freedom, kind of knowing that you're in the role for a shorter amount of time and that your role is to kind of guide it toward the future. Does it give you any more freedom to think about, you know, you're not necessarily trying to you know, stay for the long haul or something like maybe you don't have to worry about the politics of various decisions. I'm not sure. Maybe you don't feel that way. No, I, um, you're right on. That is definitely a, um, a benefit to be in my position. I, I don't need this job. I want it. I think I can contribute. So it's, so that's all about the, the good of the university and the institution. So it's, and, and I think from the, the faculty and the staff and, and the students and, and embracing me in that role, you know, it's, I think you're right. It does give some freedom on, Hey, we're in a, a challenging time. So here's maybe a, a new lens looking at things and maybe we can take a different approach than, than has been considered in the past. That's what they're kind of counting on me to do, but I'm being very transparent that, you know, here's what I'm seeing. Here's maybe two or three options. You know, I think we could pursue and then starting collaborating around that to get some consensus on what makes the, you know, what's in our best interest as a university. So I, I don't think there's any doubt that um, that's provided some some flexibility and some freedom to, to really do what I, and explore some new things that are in our best interest. But then on the flip side, as, as I develop those relationships and start putting those plans in place, then the question comes up, whoa, how long am I going to be here? And, you know, so now it's, um, you know, will, will I get us into something and then I'm not the leader Mm. And we go through a leadership change at a, at a really difficult time. So I, they have to trust me that I would never let that happen. But, you know, but I can see why that's a valid concern of, of some as we get into a little bit deeper and maybe more transformative strategies. Mm-hmm. So can you share maybe some of your, your immediate goals or maybe even long, you know, long-term goals about what does transformation look like at Capitol? What needs to be transformed? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I, when I came in, I came in with a listen, learn, lead approach. As I met with the different stakeholders, what came out of that was um, six goals, six two-year goals. And I won't go into the detail there, but at a high level, the first one is around uniting, building trust and uniting the university. You know, there's a law school, there's a seminary, there's a liberal arts college. So you, know, you got faculty, staff, grads, and so it's a pretty complex family. And so building the trust and uniting them is, is really the top priority because there, there had been some, some isolation and some, some challenge there. So that's number one. Number two, when I came in, there was a lot of social unrest. And our, um, the director of uh, the Department of, of Diversity and Inclusion had been open for a year. So we filled that position and made that a top priority. So as we're putting in plans now, it's really to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion. We've got some really good strategies there, but that's um, really, really um, important to our campus community. And of course, with where the world is right now, that is uh, that really elevated to one of our top goals. 
So uniting the university, advancing diversity, equity, inclusion. And then the, the third priority, which is getting all the headlines is around COVID. So we had to make sure that not only was the campus safe and the protocols in place, but that the education was effective. You know, we pivoted to a hybrid, so everything's remoted in the classroom and just really pleased. And I did a lot of analysis coming into the job, you know, how well positioned was capital and their team had done an outstanding job. But our thinking is that, so that, that third goal around COVID is to actually innovate through it. So when things normalize, we've actually, through the technology we put in place and, you know, some of the unique um, learning experiences, we want to capture them. They'll become a permanent part of, of our offerings. Then the fourth strategy, got two more to go here. So the, the fourth one is really around all our programs and services. And it comes down to two things. I think we may be doing too much. There may be some things we can do better. So it's really looking at two things. What really differentiates us? We want to make sure that all our programs and products are unique to capital. And at the same time, they have to be financially sustainable. And that's a difficult balancing act that we're really focused on most. Now that we, we feel like we're pretty good place with COVID, the team's really spent a lot of time on the differentiation and the sustainability. And part of that is some collaboration with other partners, other universities, other, you know, I think um, that's one thing I did as CEO at Encova was partnered with a bunch of different, we affiliated with a number of other insurance companies. And so I'm kind of using that to see how can we leverage some of our um, strengths and some of our shared weaknesses to, you know, that rising tide, you know, lifts all boats, that, that kind of approach. And then the fifth one is around our shared governance. So what's unique here as a university, you've got a board of trustees, you have faculty, staff, and students. It's a shared governance model where, where everyone has some kind of a say. And it's a matter of um, keeping that healthy. When you go back to the first goal being to unite and build trust across the university, Part of that is tied to your governance, making sure there's transparency, consistency, that you can't always, when you've got four key stakeholders like that, you can't always do what's in the best interest of all four of them, but it has to be supported and understood by all four. So I'm spending some time just on a best practices shared governance model. And probably then the final one is just the, the leadership succession. You know, as we head from an interim to a permanent, if it's not me and someone else, making sure that that's a um, very kind of seamless transition. That, I mean, that is interesting um, what you were talking about with analyzing the, the programmatic offerings and services of capital. I feel like that's something that is an ongoing conversation in a lot of higher ed of what do we actually specialize in and what do we offer that might not be our strongest offering? What, you know, might be kind of weighing down the institution. Do you view that as as a financial, a mainly kind of financial conversation about, you know, programs that aren't self-supporting, that sort of thing? Or how do you view that challenge? It, it's, it's both. I mean, the financial has got to be a strong consideration, especially where higher ed's at right now. But, but it's not as clean to get at as you might think. So one thing that differentiates capital is um, the campus experience, our experiential learning, really looking at the development of the whole person. So we spend a lot of time on developing the student as an individual and then their academic challenge, but then also their social engagement. 
you know, from the different co-curricular activities and getting in the community. So um, there's certain parts of our curriculum that, that touches on that, that, that overall development of our students. So it's, it's wanting to, you got to kind of keep an eye on what's needed for that overall, that whole development and what programs align with that. It's not quite as easy as, as it might appear, you know, on, um, on paper, if you take an inventory and, and look at the frequency or the, the number of students in each class, sometimes there's some cross mapping of those to, to some of our more key programs. I don't know if that, if that's making sense. Yeah, or not, yeah, definitely. Essentially that it's not just a, Oh, this program isn't popular. It could, it could be relevant in this other context when you drill down and look yeah. at it. And, and it's not appropriate to look at it as a standalone. Mm-hmm. And then another thing we're spending time on is, um, you know, the world has definitely moved. And I think this has accelerated a lot of the trends, especially technology. Look at working from home. You know, just look how the world's in a different place now. And so that means that, you know, eventually, you know, we're, we're producing students that are the workforce and the skill set. And we need to line it for these emerging needs. So what are those needs? And and maybe some of our existing programs can be packaged a little bit differently, complement each other's in a way that we're providing something new to the market. Okay. So I think when I, I thought with a pandemic hit, you really had three things. You had the financial hit, you have the physical risk, but, but you, you've also got the mental health issues. And I think what's going to come out and we're starting to see that the mental health, a lot of that is um, the need is growing and so I look at some of our, you know, we've got a strong nursing program. A lot of, a lot of health-related programs might be able to be packaged a little bit differently to respond to an emerging need. So that's one example of some of the things we're, we're taking a look at. Yeah, that makes sense. And so you spoke about the financial piece, and I did want to ask you about that. I know that earlier this year, kind of in the beginning of the pandemic, I checked in with Capital, and, and they shared that, you know, every university – including capital has faced some kind of, you know, financial hit. How are things going right now? Um, what's the financial health, you know, status of the university and how do you foresee that changing or evolving into 2021? Maybe look at it two ways. You've got your balance sheet and your operating performance and the balance sheet is strong. When I look at, um, if you compare like, for example, our debt, to benchmarks to other universities, we compare very favorably. So our, our balance sheet's strong. So the focus has really been operationally because the impact of COVID hit us for about 15%. So there's a, so our costs have gone up for the COVID conditions and our revenues have gone down because we can't have as many students on campus. So that was about 15%. And we had, um, I want to say there was nine levers we could pull to reduce our operation by that 15% to balance the budget. And we achieved that as testing has grown, the cost of testing has gone up, but the government's provided some funds to cover that. So that's kind of minimized the, you know, expected impact of that. So as we go into um, spring term, we're actually running a slight surplus on an operating performance. So we're, the strategy has been real effective. And, and we've also created a really safe environment here. So our students um, are, are coming to campus. You know, we, we took a 
two-week window here before going into the classroom for spring term. Today was the first day of classes. I tell you, our, our numbers look really good, and that's helped us financially because we've been able to deliver a, a broader on-campus experience than, than we originally thought we could. Okay. And so what were some of the financial savings levers that, that you pulled? Did it involve cost cutting or um, laying folks off or what, what was involved? Most of it was cost cutting and it did involve that, but it was done very transparently. There was a, a voluntary kind of like an early, early retirement plan that, that, and that addressed most of the um, personnel or people related cost savings. There was also a number of open positions that just, we decided not to fill. So we wanted to protect our, you know, our, our current employee base to the extent we can provide options if you want the early retirement or not. There is, um, I want to say there's about 15, so out of 300 some positions, there's about 15 that were impacted. But that there is, um, we've kind of frozen compensation and all the executives took a, is there a 20, I think it's a 20% reduction. So um, they, I was proud of that. They, they took the lead with that coming in. The contributions to like the 401k here was, was changed, but just uh, temporarily we're getting ready to and expect to restore that. We reduced some of the investments in the buildings. So just kind of when you, you start totaling them up, it, it reached the 15% we needed to balance the budget. And we came in committed to, that's our fiduciary responsibility is to deliver the student experience within our budgets. Not everyone's doing that. We think, you know, that's kind of, um, when I talk about the long-term financial sustainability, it, that is critical that we, we perform within our, you know, within our appetite. Can you share what you think will be as as 2021, you know, kind of, you know, we're already we're already in February. And I know that we, you know, obviously there's been a lot of hope that 2021 would be a much better year. You know, obviously um, right now kind of being in the thick of winter, it doesn't totally always feel like that. But what are you looking forward to this year for for capital? Like, what do you think is on the horizon as we kind of come out of the pandemic or at least kind of go into a different stage? And how will that affect the capital and the rest of higher ed? You know, so we complete the spring term, I think it's going to be pretty much as it is now. And then as we head into June, July, and August, you know, to your point, it depends how's the vaccinations, you know, how does this flow? But I'm anticipating um, it not a return to pre-COVID conditions, but I think it's going to be much better now. There'll be certain, definitely protocols still in place, but I don't think as stringent as they are now, which will enable some of the experiential learning, some of the, um, you know, the events possibly. I think, um, so I think it's going to change some, but I'm not anticipating by fall term we'd get back to a, to a normal state. But what I picture for us and for higher ed, when I talk about transformation, I think what was um, a strictly on-campus experience has now been hybrid. You had some students in the classroom, some remote. That delivery is getting better and better. The cost of delivering a superior on-remote experience, I think, is going to be part of, of all our offerings. I don't think it would be the way. There's some programs, you know, think of nursing where you're in the hospitals and that, that, that will always be in-person 
everybody. I think um, a bulk of our offerings will be that hybrid. Uh, we're finding the students don't want to be remote every day. You know, and I think that was one of the fears of higher ed is, and especially those with campuses, here's this remote experience and nobody's going to want to come to campus. We're finding just the opposite. The students are here. They're so pleased to be here. So you can do so much remotely, but that classroom experience, the campus experience, the social aspects of that, the personal development is stronger than some thought. So I guess that to really answer your question, I see a blending of kind of a hybrid. Much more will be offered remotely and virtually, but it won't completely replace the, the in-person experience. I, and so it's kind of exciting to me just to see, think about the portability, the flexibility. I think if you look at the demographics, there's going to be more and more adult education, maybe more certification, you know, one, two-year programs rather than the full four-year. Sure. So as those trends come, though, everything we've done is preparing us to respond to that. Everything's mobile, portable, digital, but we still can do it in person. We can blend the two. So, yeah, that will it will be interesting to see kind of what the future iteration of capital looks like once we're kind of past this and what things remain and what, well, I guess for all, not just capital, but for all higher ed institutions, you know, what remains of this period and what goes to the wayside. Well, and I, and I think too, the, and I mentioned before, I'm collaborating with some other institutions. So you're definitely going to see um, those collaborations turn into more formal, I think, partnerships of some kind, and they will vary. I mean, there's some in place now, but I think you're going to see uh, more and more of that. Probably some that financially just aren't going to be able to make it and they're not attractive enough to partner with some. So you're going to see some of that. I think you're also going to see some really strong, well-known ones partnering together just to um, go to the next level. And what what could that look like? Would that be like offering prerequisites or like or offering full programs that are together? Or how how does that work? So let's say you take uh, two, maybe three universities partner in some way. They can look at theirs and see how does our programs complement others. So I think you can you have a broader portfolio of products and services to package, and then I also think as faculty turns over or as you lose a key, you know you may be able to take that faculty member from University A can fill a void in B. So I, I think some of the costs going forward will be less because of the sharing of, of resources. Think about them um, technology, you know. So if you if everybody's paying for the same system in higher ed and you only have to pay for it for one and you all share it. So there's, there's certain things that I think you've seen in other industries from cost sharing, you know, shared services that, that you're starting to see in higher ed. It's just might be a little bit behind some of the other industries. I think then more from the strategy standpoint, the academic offerings, I think there's a, there'll be opportunities to, to blend things that complement each other, but then also that maybe you could go to three different universities, but, it's your, you know, so I, hey, I'm a capital, but I have access to courses at two other universities still being a capital student. This is my, so I think there'd be, be opportunities for that too. And then virtually, who knows what some of the other offerings we could bring in. You're not tied to the geographic location like you were maybe three, four years ago. That's so true. Interesting. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for, for chatting. I really appreciate it. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think is important to share, particularly to the Columbus business community? 
I've always felt, so I'm coming from the CEO in Columbus, and now I've been inside six months seeing the capabilities of Capital University. And what I'm finding is, wow, this is such a, um, the potential for capital to enable companies in Columbus. Oh my gosh, that's an untapped potential. So I'm starting to see that. So I guess that'd be a thing. We're, we're, we're a secret partner here. And what, let me give you what I'm seeing is a lot of things we deliver in the classroom could be taken to companies and delivered to employees and think of the, the certification programs, um, things that if we figure out how to make a more mobile and flexible portable, I think there can be a lot of opportunity to um, reduce the cost of corporate training and make it better. Think of internship. There's a, uh, Gosh, so many, so many bridges from diversity. As one, one of the things we're really good at is um, first generation students. Our success, our student success programs are really good. So part of that is um, if you focus on that demographic, you're it's more diverse. So I think by recruiting that programs designed with that, every company knows that the more diverse your your staff, the better you perform. So if you picture that where we have more diverse students and we can feed the need of companies, internships and regular jobs with more diverse supply, I think that's a that's kind of a neat thing that that within three years I, I see that and I'm happy. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and you've had a fascinating kind of experience here jumping into this role. Look forward to to hearing what else Capital does in 2021. All right. Take care. You too.